Because what happens when you make better food choices? Well, if you stop eating quote unquote junk food and you replace it with lean proteins, you know, healthy fats like nuts and, and different oils and you know, healthy carbs like grains and fruits and veggies. Well, what happens? Has anyone ever gotten overweight in the history of the world by eating lean proteins and fruits and veggies? Pretty much no. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest minds and strength from around the world. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao. Today, I'm talking to Renaissance Periodization founder and CEO, Nick Shaw. RP, as the company is perhaps best known, is a training and diet services company for world-class athletes. Nick is also a competitive powerlifter and bodybuilder, in addition to his responsibilities running the company. Nick works with some of the top athletes from across strength sports, including weightlifters like Maddie Rogers and crossfitters like Rich Froning. Yeah, you've heard of some of these people. Nick and I sat down to talk building his business, including the origins of the name Renaissance Periodization, what is all that about, and the challenges of helping strength athletes reach their goals via nutrition. Nick also gives his take on which sports are the most difficult to program for on the nutrition side, as well as the future of performance for strength athletes. And a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Barband podcast, I'd love it if you could leave a quick rating and review in your podcast app. That goes a long way in helping us grow the show. And it's also the best way to let us know who you'd like to see as a guest for upcoming episodes. Nick Shaw, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been about uh, two or three years since I know we've chatted in person. We've gone back and forth online a bit. We've been in the same city at the same time a few times, but haven't run into each other in a while. So it's it's good to see your face today. And uh, I know it's a busy time for you all, especially taking RP into the uh, mobile age. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Always an honor. Uh, yeah, it has been a couple years since CrossFit Union Square, I believe, is probably where we first crossed paths uh, quite some time ago. But uh, yeah, no, it's been great. Uh, I guess uh, RP is sort of becoming a uh, tech company, which is kind of weird to uh, to, to think about because, you know, I'm kind of a, a quote-unquote meathead, so to speak. So that's uh, it's, a, it's really interesting. That, that can be a triggering term. I have a, a background in, in business journalism, and I, I have a lot of contacts who write for the Forbes and Fortunes of the World. I've been lucky enough to contribute to both. And a, someone pivoting to be called a tech company, we're going through it right now with WeWork. WeWork's not a real estate company. They want to be seen as a tech company. Have you gotten any pushback from that? Is there anyone who's giving you any crap for, for being a tech company now? Uh, no, I, I'm kind of joking on that. Yeah, no, no, no real pushback. It's just more so in like the, uh, you know, shift from kind of old school Excel files, PDF, which are great, by the way, like just works super well and, and all that. But, you know, it's um, the best analogy that's been made is from our sort of director of, of customer success slash customer service. And he said, well, you know what, what we're kind of doing, it's like, you know, when, when GPS first came. And you have people with paper maps and they're so used to them and paper maps work really well, right? Uh, you can get from point A to point B and it's laid out right there in front of you, but you have to do all the work. You have to do all the thinking. Who knows? You might be getting out your magnifying glass to, you know, read everything and see it all. It's like with GPS, it's like, 
just sit back and you're on autopilot. And, and that's probably, you know, just the best analogy that's been made because it's, it's the same thing going from, you know, the paper templates, which you could print and, you know, hold up on your fridge, all that good stuff. But like now it's, well, now you've got an interactive uh, mobile tool, which I, obviously is just the way, you know, everything's sort of trending out there in the, in the business world to, you know, apps and, and just more uh, tech based, so all that good stuff. Well, the underlying principles haven't changed. It's just the delivery method and how people are right. are interpreting the content, right? Yeah. So what is our job? Our job is to take all this sort of crazy information out there in the diet world, right? There's just so much confl- conflicting information. And our job is to boil it down to what actually works, what's going to get people results, and then ultimately deliver in the simplest manner possible. The simplest we can make things, it's going to... Uh, make the the user slash members experience much better. They don't have to take as much time thinking, well, hey, what the heck is this? And I need 30 grams of protein. Well, how, how the, I don't even know how much food is that? Like, and that's what we got all the time. So the great thing about the templates and, you know, from whatever the original Excel ones, the PDFs, which they kind of got a little bit prettier over time, <laughs> and rightfully so, is we were able to collect all this great feedback from all of our members, you know, over the, over years, four years. And so we were basically able to refine all that and say, well, Hey, what are like the, the, the main sticking points that everyone had? Well, now we can improve it. And now we have an app. And so, you know, instead of updating, uh, you know, the templates, maybe once every 18 months, it's like the app's getting updated every 18 days. It's just a whole nother world. Right. And I mean, I'm sure you know all about the, you know, lean startup stuff and, you know, just getting, new iterations out, all that good stuff. So it's super, super exciting times. And really, the app's brand new. So we're just kind of scratching the surface. And uh, I'm personally super excited for it because I know that's definitely the way everything's trending. Well, let's let's take it back to you know the four years ago, to these early Excel files, these PDF templates, the early days of Renaissance periodization, RP, as it is commonly known in the fitness industry now. And I think that speaks to the power of your brand, that you say RP, just those two letters, and people generally will know what you're talking about. Tell us about the early days. How did the idea for RP first come about? I know you're someone with an extensive background in fitness and nutrition. When did it, when did it click that you could build a company based on what ultimately are not over, what ultimately simplifies complex information. You could build a company based on these simple principles. When did that idea first coalesce? Uh, yeah, we, well, we got to go way back. And real quick, just a quick side note there. You're like, yeah, you know, RP, people know RP. Well, I think that's because the name is so crazy, right? People have to have the uh, the, the shorter version, right? Uh, what was it? I was talking with our main app guy and he was like, well, it's kind of like the same as AT&T, right? Like what was their original name? Uh, you know, American... Uh, telephone and you know like who knows I, I can't even think of the, the second T there uh, can you actually do my version I, I can't off the top of my head it's just like ESPN right. I used to know what ESPN stood for right but yeah. but now I don't and uh, I mean people are naming their kids Espen these days because it's just so it's ubiquitous crazy. right yeah yeah so yeah that's kind of funny there yeah just RP so it's great just certain things um, man we got to go way back to like the University of Michigan days which is where I went, met uh, Dr. Mike Dr. Mike Isertel. Uh, he was a couple years ahead of me in school. Uh, walked into the student weight room one day, and here's this, you know, short little guy squatting 405 like in the student weight room, right? At school, that's just unheard of. One, nobody squats in the student weight room at a school. Uh, two, no one squats like perfect form. And so, you know, my roommate at the time, we see that and we're like, what the heck? And we were pretty serious into lifting too, but it was probably more, you know, like bro 
of stuff. Or maybe we were squatting that thing a little bit. Uh, anyways, man, you know, just kicked it off and started chatting, uh, convinced me to get started in more serious lifting. And yeah, that was really the, the start. So, uh, you know, fast forward, graduated from there. We both became personal trainers uh, in New York City. And that's when I guess things kind of started to kick off because we, we wanted to, um, we knew that we were probably onto something, but uh, from like an evidence-based standpoint, because we would see all these guys training in the gyms in New York City, and they were really huge, really strong guys. But it seemed like what they were doing to us was like, wow, this this seems a little weird, right? It doesn't really make sense. Like they could probably be doing things a little bit different, but obviously it's hard to argue with results, right? At the end of the day, like, hey, look at these guys. They must be doing something right. Um, and so we we're like, well, what happens if you get these people that you know might be really gifted or whatever and you combine this you know, scientific evidence-based approach and that's when you can really start to get some crazy results so uh, that was kind of really the beginning and then you know dr mike went back to get his phd uh, at east tennessee state and i stayed uh, in new york and kind of over time he was training people online i was doing in person and it was kind of like we were just referring people back and forth all the time so i was like well, hey, let's just kind of you know join forces and that way we can do something a bit more official so that was really the start of it uh, from there, you know, fast forward a little bit, getting into more like digital products. And that's when really the light came on and it was like, oh, ebooks, oh, these templates, like there's probably really something to this. And then uh, probably the, the big turning point was about three months after the first, first version of the templates came out. It's like way back in 2015. Uh, they came out in February 2015. So about April, they're out about three months. People started posting their results online. They're like, hey, we're using these RP diet templates. And people are like, what are those? And it's like, basically like a diet coach, but you pay a hundred dollars instead of, you know, $500. And people were, were thinking, whoa, and they work. And you know, that's when it really started to take off. So I guess that's probably really the, you know, long story short, uh, when, when the light really came on, I was like, Hey, this is probably a good idea. We should, we should try to, we should try to do something with this. And knock on wood. I guess it's been okay ever since. I mean, still, still kicking. I mean, in the startup world and in the entrepreneurial world, if the business is still running and still profitable four or five years later, that's generally a success. If it's grown by several orders of magnitude, which RP has, at least that's my perception, then I'd call it probably a runaway success. I do have to ask, while we're still talking about the early days of RP, you mentioned the name, Renaissance Periodization. It does stick out because it is such a, it's a unique name. The first time I heard it, I thought it had something to do with with paintings in a museum. Renaissance totally. periodization. I was like, oh, that's what Michelangelo was doing or, or something mm, yeah. like that. Give us the background on the name. I, I know people are curious. I certainly am. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's a really cool story. So periodization is kind of an easy one, right? It's, uh, you know, if you're into lifting, it kind of makes sense. Like it's basically just the logical sequencing of, of specific phases to produce uh, more effective, better outcomes, right? So um, if you're a lifter, right, you're, you're not training 10 by 10 before you go into a meet, right? Like you, you train for hypertrophy and then you train for strength and then you peak, like there's logical sequencing there. So that's periodization aspect. It also kind of, so that's one part of it. Renaissance. Renaissance kind of has a couple meanings, right? Uh, sort of rebirth, so to speak. That's usually what people think of. Uh, we think of renaissance. So for us, it was like the, the rebirth of science and evidence-based into fitness. Because, you know, go back 2013, 2014, I think there was a lot less of that out there. It, it was, and now I think it's great. Uh, evidence-based community has grown a little bit. and It's great for, for everyone in the lifting circles and all that. But at the time, it wasn't really there. So that was one part of it. 
Another really interesting part is there's a there's a hedge fund in Long Island. You probably know this, right? Right in your sort of you know neighborhood. Renaissance Technologies is um, is the hedge fund, right? And instead of sort of normal you know brokers and, and stock traders and all that, they have PhDs and mathematicians and you know just super super smart people, and they kind of you know, quote unquote have a formula to, to beat the market and. You know, what was it like? Nineteen out of twenty years, or something like that. They they beat the averages in the market, something like that. So um, those are kind of the two motivations for for choosing that name. So the rebirth of evidence based, and also the idea of well, what, rather than having you know coaches that maybe just look the part, or you know they they just have abs or whatever, but maybe they don't know any of the you know background science research, all that. Well, we kind of want to do both. We want to have people that walk the walk and talk the talk. So that's kind of the the original uh, true meaning of, of Renaissance periodization, uh, more commonly known as RP strength, it's much easier to say. In those early days, and it, it does take a while. It's interesting in, in your industry; it takes a while for people to know the product is working. It doesn't take forever, but you, you mentioned that it really started taking off. You know, a few months, three, four, five months after the first templates were released, because this does take time. People need some time to see the results. It's not like they get a template and the first day they're like, this works amazingly because yeah. you don't know yet. And a lot of your growth, at least the perception that I saw on social media and in being in the fitness space, came from a lot of these top recognizable athletes, many of whom I think were your customers before they were your brand ambassadors, really yeah. posting about it, posting their results, posting the ups and downs of dieting, cutting weight, training, uh, falling off the wagon nutritionally, coming back on. You do work with some of the biggest names in the fitness industry. How have you gone about over the last few years curating and building on those relationships? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I think it goes way back to uh, to Juggernaut Training Systems. Um, they were kind of that was like the first place we ever really wrote any articles. So that's when Dr. Mike wrote a couple articles, and so they were really big at the time. And uh, Chad Wesley Smith, a really great friend of mine, still to this day, I was actually just texting him this morning. Um, he was making fun of me a little bit about Michigan football. So <laughs> bad, yeah, yeah, bad, bad, bad weekend uh, for, for the amazing blue. Um, anyways, but. Uh, so yeah, he uh, he let us write some articles and all that, and you know he had a, he had a good team of, of high level athletes, and, and he kind of took a chance on us and was like, hey, I think these guys know what they're, know what they're talking about, and uh, so we started working with a lot of his athletes, and it's just the whole you know like social media aspect. Uh, we were able to, to to grow organically. We started helping these people. They started talking about it, like you said, and then we'll you know what happens when one athlete does really good? Well, usually another athlete looks around. And so that kind of led into us getting uh, an intro to the muscle driver team. So this is back in the day, 2014 or so. And uh, we helped Travis Cooper. He, he dropped from, oh boy, what was it? 85 kilos at the time. So this was pre pre weight class shifting. Uh, I, I, st I still what? think of it as the 85 kilo class sometime. Sometimes yeah. like the 77, yeah, yeah. 85s, I, I, we're recording this during the weightlifting world championships and I still get the weight classes wrong, even though I'm totally. a strength sports journalist. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same in that. You know, I'm like trying to do the math in my head to figure out like, what is that in pounds? But uh, yeah, anyways, he dropped from 85. I think he actually started more like you know, 89, 90 kilos, something like that. It was pretty crazy. And he went down to 77 kilo class and went on to crush it. And, you know, he won a couple national championships at that, uh, along with, you know, his teammate, James Tatum. And so that was really a big eye opener. Uh, a lot of weightlifters, 
and even CrossFitters kind of saw that and they're like, whoa, like what the heck? This guy just lost like 10 kilos. Uh, you know, and he was talking about it online and, you know, just his strength went up while he dropped 10 kilos, which is pretty unheard of. And so that was a really big eye opener. And I mean, you know, you know how it works. One person does something just kind of natural. People want to ask like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, I want to do whatever that guy's doing. And so that really, that's kind of led, you know, at the time, you know, weightlifting and CrossFit were so interrelated that a lot of people saw them and CrossFitters were like, Oh, like I can do something besides paleo, <laughs> you know, paleo was so big at the time, you know, it's still pretty popular, but maybe not quite as much as it was uh, five years ago or something. And so that really, I think kind of changed the game a little bit. And then you know, more and more CrossFitters started doing it and, just the whole thing. Hey, one person gets really good results and other people, especially at the high level, right? People, you know, emulate, the, want to emulate, try to do what the, you know, the quote influencers are doing. And so, uh, but yeah, just the really organic part of it was people legitimately just wanted to use RP to, to get better performance, you know, to, to drop a weight class or whatever. And you know, I think that really helps cement things like, Hey, you know, if you really want to, from a performance standpoint, uh, you know, chat, chat with the guys that know what they're doing, you know, hopefully that's going to lead to, to RP. And so I think that was kind of what, what really laid the foundation. And then from there, you know, well, what do most top athletes know? Well, they know a lot of other top athletes and, you know, it's a pretty small, small group. And so it's the kind of word of mouth from there. One of the most visible, visible brand ambassadors and names associated with RP these days. And I say this in full disclosure, we, uh, one of our, editors in-house at Barben worked with Nick and interviewed him for a video and article series we actually did on Rich Froning's diet. And so Rich Froning, one of the most visible names associated with RP. And when he first became someone who was publicly using RP and talking about your brand, you know, he was at the peak of his dominance in many ways, or just kind of coming off of that peak of individual championship runs. How did you first connect with Rich? And how has that relationship kind of evolved over time? Uh, yeah. So I think he, it was after the year that they took second as a team, uh, was what, like the first time in like six years or whatever, five or six years, something like that. He's won so many times, kind of forget the exact number. It was the first time uh, we I, hadn't seen Rich on the podium in over half a decade. Uh, or, yeah. or at the top of the podium, I should say. He was still on the podium. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but the team took second. And I think that was a little bit of an eye opener for him. It's like, you know, is he kind of getting up there in age from a competitive standpoint, of course, not overall. Uh, just want to clarify there. So, cause I'm about the same age as, as he is. And so I think that was an eye opener. He said, well, you know what? I probably need to take diet a little more serious, get my nutrition on track. And so he reached out to Trifecta, which, uh, you know, was helping him with, with sending, you know, meal prep things like that. And so uh, Greg from the Trifecta was like, Hey, you know, you need to talk to Nick with RP. And so that kicked it off. Um, super happy that happened. Rich is a really great guy. Super, super nice, super genuine, all that stuff. I've been up to Cookville, um, you know, a handful of times. Always super, super cool guy. Very easy to work with. I only have really good things to say about him. Um, his whole family, everyone's super genuine, all that good stuff. And yeah, you know, he, he just, he, he knew that he probably couldn't get away with just, you know, eating his... Uh, Diet that he, that he had been before, which is pretty, I think, comical. Uh, looking back, you know, I kind of did my research and, and read all sorts of stuff. And he just kind of ate whatever. And um, that's a really interesting thing, too, because I would say the one thing that I've seen a little bit over the years of working with some of the very, very, very top-level people, the amount of attention, and this is probably more so on the male side of things, that they pay, the amount of attention that they pay to their diets isn't as high as a lot of people 
And what what is that? Well, I don't know, they're, they're males. Maybe they, they're used to kind of getting by with just, uh, you know, genetics. So, you know, a lot of these guys are all D1 athletes, right? So very genetically blessed, all that good stuff. Um, that's, that's kind of been my take on it. Um, I think that is changing a little bit now. I think they're starting to see is how competitive CrossFit is nowadays, that people are looking for the little edge and they're kind of doing whatever they can take to get, you know, a, a percent better or something like that. So again, you know, as the competition rises, everyone's looking for the, the new edge and all that. So I think it's gotten a little bit better, but that's something that I've seen over the years, which was, it was a really big eye opener for me because well, I'm not very genetically gifted on the athletic side. Let's just be honest here. I'm like 5'9", like 210 or whatever. I was never super fast, all that stuff. So like, I kind of knew that I had to be really on point with diet and training uh, because I, I had to, right, if I even wanted to stand a chance. Not that I was really ever good uh, competitively anyways, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of these guys, I just kind of take it for granted a little bit. And then I think as they start to get up there a little bit more, um, on the age front, they say, oh, you know what? It's probably a good time to start taking this a little bit more seriously. And they do, um, which has been great. So, yeah, that's kind of a long, long story to, to say that, you know, we started working with Rich uh, and all that good stuff. And, yeah, no, he, he's been great. Um, you know, I will say, too, because this was in the interview with uh, with the other Nick from, from Barben, because uh, I think that article just came out about Rich. Um, so, you know, Rich is kind of trying to do everything that he could to to help fix up his knee that he, that he had some issues with uh, the year that they lost. Uh, and so that's kind of how we got on to the, the fasting kick as well, right? Because a lot of people, you know, say, well, RPs, you know, they're all like all about nutrient timing. You must eat at like 3 p.m. It's like, okay, well, we want to take a little bit step back and say, that's not necessarily the case. Um, and so the, the big point that I wanted to make in the article with, with Nick and, and, you know, we did a, a video interview, which was great, by the way. And again, he just followed up this week about it, was I was trying to just kind of blend the science of, of nutrition and the, you know, again, I'm making little air quotes here, the art of coaching, because there is a theoretical optimal standpoint that you can do things from a timing standpoint, you know, from calories, macros, timing, all that. But at the same time, you also have to be able to be somewhat flexible in that approach to meet the athletes. I don't want to say in the middle, because that's probably not a true, like, it's not like 50, 50 in the middle, but there's got to be some give and take with the athlete because if you throw out this, and I've done this before, I've kind of learned the hard way, and, you know, I would write and I would get super excited, you know, these like the very, very best CrossFit athletes, you know, first couple of times I got my shot to work with them. And I'm like, oh, yes, it's awesome. They're like training three times a day. Like I'm going to time things so perfectly. Their, their mind is going to be blown. Like it's going to be amazing. And then what happens? You know, like a month later, they're like, I can't follow this. Like it's just, it's too advanced. It's too complex for me. So that was a, a pretty big eye opener for me. And I'm like, okay, it's not time to go back to the drawing board. That's too strong of a statement, but it's time to sit back and tweak things a little bit and go, you know what? If I throw, you know, calculus at these people or, you know, whatever, it might go over their heads. So I've got to scale it down and, and present it in a way that's going to be a little bit easier for them and sort of match, not perfectly where they want to be, but do some give and take. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's a really good insight into something that you've learned over time. And actually, my next question was going to be about things you would yeah. optimize if you could go back in time and coach yourself as an earlier stage entrepreneur in the timeline of Renaissance periodization. And I think you bring up some really good points about things you learn along the way when it comes to athletes who might 
be aging a little bit and their different approaches to nutrition when it comes to differences between men and women in what they're paying attention to. I found that really interesting when you said that a lot of these guys weren't giving nutrition the thought, the time that a lot of the elite women were as well. Just an interesting kind of sociological phenomenon perhaps. And and I also like what you talk about when when you talk about the evolution of how you present this information, right? From the early days of the Excel files to the PDF templates and now the app. It's about you can have all the evidence-based information in in the world. You can have mm-hmm. everything dialed dialed in to the half of a percentage point to make it perfectly optimal. But if people aren't following it, if they're getting too much fatigue just by being presented with all this information, it's intimidating, and they're not going to pay any attention to it, then you might as well not have given it to them in the first place. Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, and, and I think back to... You know, when is a time that I've gone out there as, as a you know as a consumer myself, and I bought something, and you know, let's say it's like furniture or something, right? And you sort of pull out the sheet, and you take your first glance at it, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's like 30 steps here, like it, it's too intimidating. And that's happened to me before, and I've seen that, and I'm like, oh yeah, 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 I'm gonna set it to the side, and I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it, yeah, next week, and then next week becomes you know. 10 years later and it's still setting in your, you know, closet or whatever. So that's absolutely a really big thing because you nailed it. You can have the best, most theoretical, perfectly planned diet or training program out there, but if it's not being used, it is meaningless. And so that really, how can you simplify things? How can you, you know, we'll do all the hard work. We'll do all the thinking, but we have to present it in a way that is simple for people to, to consume it. Um, take the most popular diets out there, right? Like, you know, say a keto or, you know, <coughs> excuse me, a, a paleo. Okay, it's it, it, the simplest core concept of it. It's incredibly easy to grasp. Keto, don't eat carbs. Okay. It takes like five minutes to get. So if you start thinking, okay, well, you know, it's calories and macros and nutrient timing, Yes, that stuff's important, but you have to still present it in a way that people can actually go, oh, okay, like, oh, here's what I need to do. Oh, this makes sense. So the app really does a great job of helping with all that because, like, you plug in all your information (coughs) and then the app spits it out for you. And so it really does all the thinking for you. So at the end of the day, that's kind of our job is to do the thinking for people to, to make it as simple and easy to follow as possible. Changing tack a little bit here and, and, getting a little bit more general in the nutrition space, not necessarily RFP specific. What nutrition myths do you think still persist among the general public and then among the active public? So I say active public, I mean people who might not necessarily be elite athletes, but they take their fitness seriously. What are the, what are some of the nutrition myths that, that still exist among or between those two populations? I think there's a lot of overlap there between those two. So I think that's an easier one to answer. And I think it is the the whole idea that you sort of have to go low carb or you have to do really like exotic stuff to get results, Um, whether it's fasting, whether it's keto, uh, whatever it is, right? So let's take the low carb approach. That seems to be really big everywhere. And so people kind of think when it comes to losing weight, that you have to eliminate carbs. It's not that you have to, but again, like, well, what happens when you stop eating carbs? Well, most people are probably going to end up eating less. So something that I've learned over the years 
And Whole30 is another great example, really great example. So Whole30, keto, fasting, let's take those three. Well, at the heart of it, it's really about somehow restricting food intake, right? Keto, you're not eating carbs. Uh, Whole30, you know, you're not eating grains and, and dairy and sugar. Like, okay, well, that's usually a lot of good, good tasting food. If you can eliminate all that, people are probably eating less. And so this was like an eye opener for me a couple of years ago. As I was like, I was kind of struggling. I was like, well, I know RP is, is really great and, and we could help a lot of people like out there in the general population world. But, but how do how do we how do we compete with you know all these fads and, and gimmicks that you know people want? Well, at the end of the day, it's just because they simplify things so much. It's not that there's any magical sort of rhyme or reason as to why keto or you know fasting and all that works. Well, it's just an easy, simplified way to get people to uh, do two things: a, eat less; b, make better food choices. Because what happens when you make better food choices? Well, if you stop eating "quote unquote" junk food and you replace it with lean proteins, you know, healthy fats like nuts and, and different oils, and you know, healthy carbs like grains and fruits and veggies. Well, what happens? Has anyone ever gotten overweight in the history of the world by eating lean proteins and fruits and veggies? Pretty much, no. I'm going to say ninety nine point nine 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 percent. That's not going to happen. So um, that was kind of a big eye opener for me. Is like all these things that are they're all trending towards the same route. And that route is simplifying things and getting people to make smarter food choices. And if you do that, people pretty much by default are going to eat less food. And hey, you want the secret? That's really the secret. So the secret is there is no secret except you got to simplify things for people. You work with a pretty wide variety of athletes at this point. And at Barbin, we cover a variety of strength sports, sports, CrossFit, weightlifting, powerlifting, strongman. And I know that you've worked with athletes from all of those different sports. You've worked with athletes who compete in bodybuilding as well. So including them under this umbrella, which type of strength athlete have you found most challenging to work with on the nutritional front? And why do you think that is? <laughs> A uh, really great one. Uh, I think that is probably CrossFit athletes, and because their their schedules are so different, they're so varying. Powerlifting is pretty easy. You go into the gym, you're in there about an hour and a half, and you're typically most of the time hitting about the same volumes. Uh, kind of same with bodybuilding. Um, you know, strongman is kind of falls under that, uh, with the exception being event training. So when you have longer training sessions. Again, what is a longer training session? Well, for a lot of people, it looks pretty similar to a CrossFit workout. If you're a high-level athlete and you're training for you know, three-plus hours, something like that. Um, so that really kind of complicates things a little bit because with so many different movements, CrossFit's so hard to be good at because you got to be good at so many different things. It's really hard to kind of track and monitor the volume and intensity of things because they're doing so many uh, different things. With like bodybuilding, powerlifting really is very simple and easy uh, in comparison to, to CrossFit because it's like, oh, well, you go in and do squats, you're doing deadlifts, you're, you're doing presses, you're rows, like it's pretty standard stuff. It was like CrossFit, like one day you're like running five miles, the next day you're doing like 50 rope climbs and, you know, like 5,000 double under. And you're like, how does that relate to, you know, lifting in terms of volumes and all that? So uh, CrossFit's definitely the most challenging, I think, because it's just such a wide variety of Gotcha. Well, Nick, we're coming up toward the end of this recording, and I do want to ask, where can folks follow along with what you're doing, what RP is doing, and what's the best way to keep up to date with what's new in your corner? 
Yeah. So the best way is probably on Instagram. Just follow at uh, RP Strength and go on to the Google Play Store or the uh, you know Apple Store and download the RP Diet app. It's free for, for 14 days to, to try out and it's always being improved. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. And um, I can also probably throw this in there because I think this is going to air a little bit after this release. But uh, yeah, the the app's always being updated, expanded, made better, and the uh, food database is going to expand by about uh, a thousand times here coming up soon, which I think is going to make a lot of people happy because that's really the only the only main main complaint about the app right now in sort of its uh, infancy stage. So it's only been out for about five months now, so it's still really uh, brand new. So uh, it's getting, it's getting rapidly better here, uh, very 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 quickly. So I think a lot of people would be benefited from, from checking that out. It's kind of like my fitness pal, but uh, they don't provide any uh, coaching aspect of it. And so our app's going to be you know, similar to that. But hey, it's, it's an actual coach that updates every week for you and based on your schedule and all that stuff. So RP Strength, RP Diet app, that's, that's where we're at. Come check it out. Let us know what you think too, because we we'll always want feedback to, to keep making it better. What about, uh, what about you personally? Where can folks keep up to date with uh, what, what you've got going on? Nick Shaw. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess my own Instagram. That's uh, at, at uh, nick.shaw.rp. That's uh, where I'm at. Perfect. Perfect. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's always a pleasure, a pleasure catching up and always looking forward to what's next for both you and the company you've built. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me.